right let's pray father we ask and we receive illumination we ask and we say our eyes of understanding is enlightening much more and more we grasp our minds can build your grace our heart is fixed on your love and we can comprehend the mysteries of christ clearly there's no confusion in this atmosphere everyone's heart is stable on his grace and we say as we as we study this evening we see jesus as we see ourselves in him he's glorified and we are edified amen praise god hallelujah all right john three sixteen. What is forgiveness of sin? John 3 16. John 3 16. John 3 16. Like I said, you don't get familiar. You don't say because you've known John 3 16, you will not open to it again. <laughs> you will still open. That is how to honor the word. All right. John 3 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I've since explained to us that the gospel, or that shows to us the character of the giver. That shows to us how God gives. That shows to us how what God gives. And that shows to us the person of Jesus. How that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we've been studying and studying and studying. We said the word forgiveness is from the Greek word called aphesis, which implies freedom or liberty or a release from. And we said Jesus used the word aphesis as deliverance in Luke 4 verse 8, where he says to preach deliverance. So that word deliverance there is the word aphesis. It implies to set free. That is, the translations in King James use it as deliverance. And we call aphesis also means remission. So you can also use forgiveness and remission. It's just it's just a translation way. It's just it's just the way they translated it. It means the same thing. Forgiveness and tra- remission means the same thing. It means set free from, taking away, or to clear an account of. And we say forgiveness of sins and remission of sins means the same thing. We studied um, the character of the giver, what he gives, and everything. And we said we studied charismai. You can get the teaching. We studied charismai, which was used for God and how God described how we are forgiving and released from the consequence of sin. And I explained to you, everyone who has believed the gospel upon salvation, you were free from sin. Sin has no hold on you. That's why we studied in the previous time, we explained that when Jesus, when, when the writer of Hebrews, not Jesus now, when the writer of Hebrews says in the book of Hebrews 8, verse 8 to, it said verse 8 to 12, where it says, their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. It simply means, the word remember, I said, is from the Greek word mimesco. It has to do with the mind, grasping a fat or bearing in mind. And it means, I will not consider, I will not talk about it, nor come in our discussion. So, sin does not come in your conversation or in your access between God again. And we studied, we said, that in first peter 3 verse 18 first peter 3 18 first peter 3 18 first peter 3 18 it says that for christ has once suffered for sin for the just and the unjust that he might bring us to god being put to death in the flesh but quickened us by his spirit i've explained all of these things but the word bring us is from the word prosago it implies to create an access to god so by the reason of what jesus has done we don't pray to access the throne you don't sing and say hold on let your throne come down oh i am here in your presence send down the rain no you have access you don't pray, Lord, show me the way to the throne room. Oh, Lord, have access me the throne. No, you already have access to God. Because listen to me, the Bible says we are one in spirit. One who is joined, it says we are joined in spirit. Our spirit is one spirit with the Lord. So God now lives in man. There is no barrier anymore. God now talks to you. God now lives in you. There is no more difference. There is no more distraction. There is no more bridge 
between you and the father anymore no more no more there is no more bridge between you and the father anymore and we said forgiveness and we said forgiveness is from the greek word aphesis and jesus gave them an instruction in the old in in the four gospels you will see in mark 16 verse 15 it says preach the gospel to every creature he that believeth is baptized you will see in luke 24 verse 47 jesus said our repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations so when i explain to you that the word repent there means a change of mindset a change of perception you change your mindset repentance means you change your mindset it doesn't mean to come and confess all your sins they'll say repent but you know, so that means you now come and confess say everything you know no repentance means you change your mind you change your mindset you adjust your thinking partner so what happens when a believer gets born again is that his mindset is adjusted that's why you need to know the gospel well so that you can share it well so his mindset gets adjusted his mindset gets understand oh i didn't know it that way then he received the indwelling of the spirit that is why men don't give their life to christ but they receive the life of christ the very moment their mind is adjusted they receive a life they don't give because i explained to you that they were dead in trespasses and sin if an unbeliever who hasn't believed the gospel learn to see an unbeliever that way so that you can have one jesse to preach the gospel because that's the reality that an unbeliever is a dead man, is a walking dead man, is a temple of idol. I'm not trying to cause or abuse. That's the reality. So learn to see it that way so that you can know how urgent you need to share the gospel. So you have to see it that way. So you can know how urgent you share the gospel. So when you preach the gospel, ensure you know the message. Don't give the person the message you did not receive. Give the person the real diluted message. That is, you've received the repentance of sins. You've received forgiveness. You've received remission. You've received aphesis. You will in turn give or preach the same message to the person so that the person will receive the same thing you received. So, Jesus gave us an instruction. It says repentance and remission should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at jerusalem so when you preach the gospel patiently walk people through the gospel is not to be rushed is not a tea party is a marathon you can spend hours explaining the gospel to somebody don't be afraid it is it takes time discipleship takes time preaching the gospel takes time ensure you say it well don't put their faith on material things. Don't say believe the gospel and things will go well for you. Things in the natural sense don't go well for people every time. <laughs> don't say when you believe the gospel, you, you will buy a car, you will get houses. No. <laughs> when you believe the gospel, you will only have eternal life. That's the only thing Jesus promised us. That's why we study John 3, 16. Whosoever believe will not perish, but have everlasting life. So let's see tenses of the gospel in the epistles the tenses of forgiveness in the epistles the tenses of forgiveness in the epistles this will explain how we can walk in love this will explain how we can walk in unity this will explain this teaching has a two-way so that you can understand what god has done in christ jesus for you upon salvation so that you can understand forgiveness and you can in turn walk in love you can in turn move with people you can in turn understand relationships will be strengthened as your your physical relationship your everything will be strengthened your romantic relationship will be strengthened as a result of this teaching so that you can understand from the scripture how to walk in love let's let's see what we can do tonight the word tenses of forgiveness in the epistles. How do the epistles explain the tenses of forgiveness? The tenses. We know it's just as we want to study English language now. The tenses. So the word forgiveness is used as a noun in reference to God or in the gospel. I'll come again. The word forgiveness is used as a noun in reference to God or in the gospel. Or as a verb in the past tense for what the believer in christ has received that is what god has done that he received 
I'll come again. The word forgiveness is used as a noun in reference to God or in the gospel or as a verb in the past tense for what the believer in Christ has received, that is what God has done that he has received. I'll come again. The word forgiveness is used as a noun. What is a noun? In name of any person, animal, place, or things. Well, I, I, I recently learned that there's now an adjustment to that, to that, um, to that definition. But we'll see, shall. The word forgiveness is used as a noun in reference to God, or in the gospel, or as a verb in the past tense. For what the believer in Christ has received, that is what God has done that you received. So you see in Colossians 1.12, let's open our Bibles there. Colossians 1.12 to 14. Colossians 1.12 to 14. Colossians 1.12 to 14. Colossians 1.12 to 14. It says, giving thanks to the Father who hath made us partakers to be the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom, look at verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. So forgiveness of sin is an inheritance in Christ. Forgiveness of sin is something you inherit in Christ. It is an inheritance in Christ. Look at what it says. It says, in whom we have redemption, through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So forgiveness of sins is an inheritance in Christ. It is something you inherit. It is something that upon the salvation, upon when you believe the gospel, you already have it. It came with the new birth. So don't ever think in your life that that's why I said if you listen to that teaching, I taught get that message the power of the gospel. There will never be a time in your life, every one of you listening to me, that you will ever be regarded a sinner. It has, that time has passed because you believed the gospel. You can never be a sinner again. Even in eternity time, even in the world to come, if there is, you can't be a sinner again. Because you have been forgiven once. It's an inheritance. Something you received. So forgiveness of sins. Don't forget we are studying the tenses of forgiveness in the new, in the epistles. In the epistles. And I said the word forgiveness is a noun used in reference to God or in the gospel. Or as a verb in the past tense for what the believer in Christ has received, or that is what God has done that he received. So it is something that God has done that you receive. God has finished the work. You your own part is just to receive it. And when did you receive it? You received it upon salvation. The very moment you believe the gospel, you received forgiveness of sins. So it is an inheritance in Christ. It is an inheritance in Christ. It is your inheritance. Forgiveness of sins is just like saying it is my right. It is my it is my inheritance in Christ. Ephesians 1. Let's see Ephesians 1, verse 3 and 7. Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1 3. Ephesians 1 3 and 7. Ephesians 1 3 and 7. I'll just keep to seven. Ephesians 1, 3 to I should read it from 3, but because of time, I'll just read to I'll just read 3 and 7. Ephesians 1, 3 and 7. Ephesians 1, 3 and 7. It says, Blessed be the God of our Father. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace wow in whom we have redemption through his blood the same word again that he used in colossians the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace so but what happens there is that there was a thought pattern in these visions and the thought pattern flowed from verse 3 where it says blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ 
who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So it is a it is something we receive. It is a blessing in Christ. Forgiveness of sin is a blessing in Christ. What is blessing? So that you can understand. The word blessings from the Greek word eulogia. Eulogia. E-U-L-O-G-I-A. Eulogia. Eulogia. It means fine speaking. To speak well of. It's just like say, I praise you when I say blessing. It's just like fine speaking. I speak well of you. So Paul, proceeding in that verse, explains that forgiveness of sins is the blessing of the believer in Christ. So it is a fine thing. It's a fine speaking of you. So forgiveness of sin is well spoken of you. So when I see you as a believer in Christ, what I see is forgiveness of sin. I see a man who has received forgiveness of sin. I see a man who is forgiving. That is how we should treat believers. That is why you can't take, you, do, you can't fight a believer. You can't, a believer and a believer should not be fighting. Because how do you, both of you are brothers and sisters in Christ. Both of you have received forgiveness. I wish I understand it some years ago. Yes. But you know we are growing. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, forgiveness of sins is the blessing. In the, is the, it's a blessing in Christ. It's a blessing that a believer has received in Christ. So it is well spoken of you in Christ that you've received forgiveness of sin. So, forgiveness is in the past tense and is now preached in a message that is the gospel. So, it is in the past tense that is forgiveness. We're forgiven. It's in the past tense. And it is now used to preach the gospel. That's the message we preach. A man believed the gospel and received the gifts of forgiveness of sin. So, when you receive the gospel, you receive forgiveness of sin. That's what we used to preach. How do you get to preach to a sinner? See, listen. Jesus loves you. When you believe the gospel... Your sins are forgiven. That's the major deal. And he has received forgiveness of sins. So forgiveness is therefore thought not as a present continuous act of God. So it's not as if God will be forgiving you. (laughs) Though, I need to clarify this well. Forgiveness of sin is not, God will keep forgiving you. Or, God is a forgiving God. Just be doing your own. You'll be forgiving, you'll be forgiving, you'll forgive you. Or you will forgive you. Listen. When you receive the gospel, you are you were forgiven. That day you said yes to the gospel. That very day you were forgiven. That very day you receive forgiveness of sins. And that is an internal thing. So what happens? Is that forgiveness of sins is therefore taught not as a continuous tense. He's forgiving you. God will forgive you. He's forgiving you. But rather, what has been done that has been made available to us. See, listen. When you even preach the gospel, it's not as if it is that time that God wants to forgive the person you are preaching to God has forgiven the person. The person only needs to receive what God has done. The day you believe the gospel is not the day God forgave you. God has forgiven us upon the resurrection. But the only thing we need to do, or men needs to do, is to come to the acknowledgement or to receive the forgiveness. Why did they receive the forgiveness? Lambano. They will take hold of the forgiveness. Oh, so I've actually been forgiven. So that is why it's called repentance. Repentance is their mindset are now changed. Are you getting me? I, I, I'm teaching this one. You don't twist the gospel when you're preaching to people. So when you preach to a sinner, it is not that day that you are preaching. God is forgiving the person. No. Ensure you make the person's confidence well established. That listen, God has forgiven you. You only need to believe it. 
or you only need to believe he has forgiven you and that's all and the person says, i believe i'm forgiven that's all the person has believed the gospel don't make the gospel too complicated for people to believe god has forgiven us once in christ jesus the forgiveness of sins is a gift of god and it is available through christ jesus forgiveness of sins is a gift and is available how through christ jesus i'll say it again the forgiveness of sins is a gift just the same way we receive gifts of eternal life we receive everything forgiveness of sins is a gift it came with the new birth, and it is available wow through christ jesus so something to note or something to understand that the verb forgive when it says forgive that verb don't forget we are studying the tenses of forgiveness in the new test in the epistles so now now let, so where do we now so if we say we have been forgiven or we have we we, we are forgiven upon salvation and christ has forgiven us so why is there forgive in the scripture because are you getting what i'm saying so why is therefore let's answer it forgiving the epistles was used for believers however it was now used for now you need to understand that it was now used as a present continuous tense it was used for our relationship our fellowship with other believers our conduct among men it was used to teach believers to follow god's example of forgiveness and reconciliation in christ so forgiveness when the when you see forgive in the bible is not saying that god is going to forgive you it is not saying that god is going to now forgive you because god has already forgiven you it is not saying god will now forgive you god has already done that in christ how did he do he did it in christ upon the resurrection the hour is just to believe and we are forgiving so why is there forgiving the scripture forgiving the scripture is to teach us or to understand that we now as believers so it's just like a practicality of it or an application that now we've been forgiven we our own is to forgive others so you will now find the scripture forgive there you will see forgive people forgive one another it is only used as our conduct it was taught as our conduct in christ conduct as believers to for believers our reconciliation our relationship with other people to understand what god has done in christ jesus so that's why you can't keep malice with someone because you are not showing the perfect example of what god has done in christ you can't be angry with somebody because you are not showing or reflecting your true nature of what you received you receive forgiveness of sin your own is not to in turn forgive others to forgive men god has forgiven you in christ he forgave you upon salvation you only received it upon salvation your own is now to forgive others so that's why you will find the colossians 3 13. look at colossians 3 13. colossians 3 13. colossians 3 13. forbearing one another and forgiving one another if any man have a quarrel against any even as christ forgave you see he uses it as past tense even as christ has for- forgave you so do ye colossians 3 13. i just read colossians 3 13. Colossians 3.13 Forbearing one another and forgiving one another if any man have a quarrel against any even as Christ forgave you so do ye so when you when you find yourself not forgiving people or holding grudge against people it is as a result of you not understanding the nature of what you received upon salvation so you will learn to forgive one another because christ has forgiven you that's why paul used it at christ because christ forgave you he used it as past tense here he has forgiven you out or in christ look at ephesians 4 32 ephesians 4 32 be ye kind to one another tender-hearted forgiving one another even as god for christ's sake has forgiven you Have you seen this? 
forgiving one another. Even as Christ has forgiven you. You see, he used it in past tense. Because Christ has forgiven you. It's a past tense thing. It's a done deal. Christ has forgiven you. So you see, James also used that same word. Look at James 5 verse 15. James 5 verse 15. And if the prayer of faith, James 5 15, James 5 15. James also used forgive in presence or active tense. Let's see how he used it in James 5 15. It says, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he had for, for committed, and if he had committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. You see, he used forgiving him. The word forgiving was the Greek word apiemi, what we studied last week, apiemi. So let's see. James made reference here. What he did was that he made reference to human relationship. Particularly the church, the body of Christ, all of us, the church. That's why you will see in the preceding verse, in verse 14, he said, If any man is anyone sick among you, let him come for the elders, let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And so he now says, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he had forgiven and he had, if he had committed any sin, they shall be forgiven of him. So it follows that word forgiveness or sins committed in reference among them that is in relating with one another. It was only explaining one another. So it was not implying that the brother fell sick because he committed sin. Rather, it said if he had committed sin, if he had, they shall be forgiven him. That's why he now told us in verse 16. Look at the verse 16. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that ye may be healed. The infection of our people, the righteous, are much. He was making reference to sins, the faults committed one to another. That is among themselves. That is, it's just as if if I have done you wrong now, I'll come and tell you, you'll forgive me, and we'll pray for one another. So he could not be talking, he could not have been talking about a sick person when he says, confess your fault to one another. He was talking about the relationship in the church. What James was teaching in that James 5 14, 5 14 to 17 was much about the relationship in the church as believers. That's why I say, if he has committed sin, shall be forgiven unto him. And they shall be forgiven him. That the word if is from the Greek word called can. H-K-A-N. K-A-N. It is a conditional word. It implies if at least. That's what it means. If at least. That is, if there are any sins committed. And he uses that can. That's why you see Jesus made reference to that word can. Or K-A-N. The word I'm explaining. Okay. Sorry. So, if, so in case you have lost me now. I'm exp- trying to explain that this i'm still on this james 5 verse 14 to 16 where it says if any man commits sin so i'm using i'm explaining that word if so the word if is from the greek called k-a-n can k-a-n can it is a conditional word it's it simply means if at least at least if there is any sin committed that's what it means and let me show you where jesus used that word well where that word was used in the scripture you will see in mark 5 4 28 you can just write this down for your reference. Mark 5, 28. For she said, if I may touch, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be made peace. So that if I may but touch the hem of the blood. This was talking about the woman with the issue of blood. That word, if I may but touch the hem of the, his clothes, I may be able. He said, if at least, at least, let me just touch the clothes. That's the word. So that's where it was used. Just to explain further references of how it was used. You will see, you, you, you will see where it was also used in 1 Corinthians 13 3. 1 Corinthians 13 3. It speaks, it explains more of intention of an accomplished act. 1 Corinthians 13 3, where it says, And though I bestow all goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to the bond, and shall not have charity, it profited me nothing, and all of those things. It says, And though if 
And though I, I bestow all my goods to the poor, and though I give my body to the poor, and I, it profited me nothing. So that word do, where you use do, it expresses the probability. That means a possibility. And do if something. So when you see that word do, so it's just like in 2 Corinthians eleven sixteen. You can write all of this down. 2 Corinthians eleven sixteen. I say again, let no man think me a fool. If otherwise yet a fool receive me, I may boast myself a little if you will see the word if that is though if anyone do this and that you see in hebrews 12 20 hebrews 12 20 for they could not endure that which was commanded and if so much as a beast touched the mountain it shall be stoned or thrust to the dark so the word if has to do with something that is not definite it's just so if explains something that is not definite why i explain all of this is so you can understand that when you see the word if is not a definite word it's just like saying at least even though let me just at, you know how we use even though uh, you know you say even though you can just give me five not dollar instead of ten twenty dollar just even though at least at least just two dollars will be okay at least just just this rice will do me you get what i'm saying that's that word so when he says if he had committed any sin so he just say if at least even though if at all he has committed any sin shall be convicted of, unto him. So the word if he had the word e, if e, the word e is from the is in the King James version is translated much as Amy E I M I E I M I. It means to exist, to exist. So it's better. It's, so the best way we will not put it will be if there's a, if there exists sins. It's just like say something exists to exist. So when it says he, if he, if he has committed, so it says if there exists sins that are committed. So I'm just trying to give us all of this um explanation so that we can understand that text fully because many people have taken that text out of context and everything. So you will see that the word if um shows that. It was not much of a consistent action, but it's just like something. So let, let's just let's just move forward. You see, he said if he has committed, the word committed is from the Greek word poio, p-o-i-e-o. It has to do with something to create. It applies to do something or to create. That is to do something or to create. So, um, I think I'm missing something. Let me let me backtrack again. I think I'm missing something. It says, if he has committed any sin. So we've studied the word if. The word if is from what kind? It means a probability. The word e is from the word to exist. It means Amy, E I M I. It means to exist. The word committed is from the word poio, P O E I O. It means to do something or to create. It says, it shall be forgiven in. In. So the word in, in this context, is used to refer to a singular person. It was translated from the Greek word called autos. Then I say autoka, autos, a u t o s. It implies same, them, or among. But in this context, it was used as a singular person or something. So it's just, it's not like saying. So let's now put it in proper perspective. Now we've seen the word if as k a n. K-A-N, it implies a conditional statement, if at least, even though all of those things. We've seen the word E, H-E. It's from the Greek word E-I-M-I. E -I -M -I. It implies to exist, something that exists, to, to, to something that exists. You see the word committed, committed. It's from the word poio, P-O-H-I-O. It means to do something or to create. You see the word in, that is the way it says, if, uh, forgive, it shall, they shall be forgiven in. The word in is from the Greek word autos, A-U-T-O-S. It means same, them, or among, something like that. So if we not join everything together, or we read everything with the proper in um, with the proper translation from the Greek, this is what it will say. If there exists sin that have not that have been done among believers, they shall be forgiven among us. Let me say it again. If we join everything together in proper perspective and we've broken the walls, we've explained and demystified each text, each word, word for word and everything. This is what it will say. If there exist sins that have been done among believers, 
they shall be forgiven among us. So he was referring more. So what James was teaching in that James 5, verse 14 to 17, was explaining a more of a corporate action that should be done among us. He is talking about relationship in the church among fellow believers. You know, you can't be in a relationship. Let's just say for instance, in this ministry, in this place now, imagine you, there's somebody you're not talking to. There's somebody you're not forgiving. There's somebody you're still angry with. It doesn't make sense. You have to forgive the person. You have a work to do because Christ has forgiven you. So if there is this sin that has been done among believers or somebody did us bad, they shall be forgiven among us. So when it now says, confess your fault one to another, pray for one another that ye may be healed. The word confess is from the Greek word esomologio. Esomologio. It means E-X, E-X-H-O-M-O-L-O-G-E-O. E-X-H-O-M-O-L-O-G-E-O. Esomologio. It means to openly acknowledge. That is, you openly acknowledge that, oh, I've done something wrong. I acknowledge. Openly do it. It's the same word was used in Matthew 3 verse 6. Let me show you how it was used. Matthew 3 verse 6. And they, and they were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. They openly came up and said it. Look at in Matthew eleven twenty five where it was used. And at that time, Jesus said unto them, Thank thee, O Father of heaven, that's eat these things from the wise and the prudent, and that's revealed them unto the babes so it was used for an open or public praise where it says i thank the old father we're confessing their sins that is to acknowledge a fault openly you see in act 19 18 and many that believe came and confessed and showed their deed they acknowledged what they did they were doing openly in their actions so it's just the same thing. If you get the message I taught on Wednesday about this confession, last week Wednesday, about this confession and everything, and it's where it says, as it was written, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess before God, something you openly do. So it's not as if the confession is, is the confession means, so the word confess is called to implies to open openly acknowledge something it's just that so when it was saying in that context of hey that shall confess your sins before god there's not talking much about salvation it's just say openly it's something you just openly do you say it you just go and meet the person you openly acknowledge hey yeah i was wrong go you get what i'm saying now you see in uh, philippians 2 11 philippians 2 11 and every tongue shall confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of the father you will see in Galatians 6 verse 1, If any man be overtaken by his faults, ye are spiritual, restore such a one with spirit of meekness, constrain lest thou be tempted. So you get what he's saying now. So that's what he, so, so that word confess, where it says confess your faults one to another. Don't forget we are still on James. I think we will just be on James throughout the end of this series. Then we'll pick up this series, um, We'll pick up maybe the part two or the series two of what is forgiveness of sins in a few times to come. Pick it up again. So if you want to teach this, ensure you stop where I stop. There's a wisdom to know. Don't overstretch your theology. Just stay. Just stop in where I stop. And don't, you get what I'm saying? We'll pick it up again in a few times to come. Uh, maybe next year or two years or next uh, we'll pick it up again. We'll, we'll pick it up. We'll raffle some things that is not clear again. Anyway, so let's back get back to our James 5, verse 16. So where it says confess, now we've seen the word confess. It means to openly acknowledge or do something, to openly acknowledge something. You see in James 5, 16, again, where it says confess your fault one to another. That word one to another is from the Greek word called hallelon. Hallelon. H-L-L-E-L-O-N. It is like saying me and you, you and I. So confess, it's just like saying me and you, you and I, something like that in that instance is like a reciprocal pronoun, something a, a reciprocal pronoun that means this is me and you, you and I. So, it, so James was actually dealing much with relationships. So, Jesus has forgiven us our own in turn, or the practicality, or to show that we are forgiving is to forgive others. 
How would you be a believer and you don't forgive? How? 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 So, we pray for one another that if there are any fault or anyone that has trespassed, so the vital part of walking in love is to pray for one another. When you pour, when when somebody did you wrong, does you wrong, that's something I've adopted. You know, when you want to walk in the flesh, is when you don't want to pray for the person. When somebody do you wrong and you're hungry, see, take time to pray. You will see you will dissolve. Pray for that person that offended you. You will see how dissolving that thing will go for you. You just discover, ah, I'm not hungry. I've forgotten about this. It doesn't matter again. You just pray. The vital part of walking in love is pray for one another. He now says, therefore, he says, he says, confess your fault one to another. And I've explained the word confess, a somologio, a somologio, to openly acknowledge one to another, a reciprocal partner, you and I, me and you. And I says, pray for one another that ye may be healed. That word healed, healed, it means to restore. Healed means to restore. Is no more dealing with a sick problem anymore. So that word healed, it means to why I have to explain this thesis because people just take confess of all what to another. The facial fiber of the rations have been much. People just take the facial fiber. Yes, I know I know we do it, you know, we, we use the scripture, we pray all of those things. But I'm just trying to explain in context what it means. That that word healed means restore, is no longer dealing, is not dealing with a sickness problem now. Is now dealing with human relationships that you may be healed. That's why you will see where how does it so you will see that Peter also used the word healed to refer to a restoration of relationship. You see, let's see first Peter 2 24. First Peter 2 24. First Peter 2 24. First Peter 2 24. Him who, who is who his own self bear our sins and his own body on the tree, that being dead to sin should live in righteousness, by whose tribe ye are healed, verse 25, for ye were sheep going astray, but now return to the shepherd and the bishop of your souls. You see, he used the word, he bear our sins in his own body on the tree, by whose tribe you were healed. Healed. Look at in Hebrews 12 verse 13. Hebrews 12 verse 13. Hebrews 12 verse 13. Hebrews 12 verse 13. And make straight path for your field, feet, lest that which is lame be turned out that way. Rather, let, let it rather be healed. So he's talking much of a restoration of a relationship. We are forgiven. We've received forgiveness of sins. Ours is to forgive others. Ours is to ensure we forgive. Look at James 5.16. So let's go back to our James 5.16 now. It now says, The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. It says, Confess your fault one to another. Pray for one another. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. So why did he now say that? I'm sure you'll be asking that question. The word factual is from the Greek, or many of you know it, from the Greek word energio. It refers to something that is active. The word availet is means issues. High S-C-H-U-S. It means prevailing strength. So what James was teaching in James 5.15b, what he was teaching from 15b, what's 15b? If any has committed sins, uh, he, and if he had committed any sins, it shall be forgiven of him. To James sixteen a, where it says, "Confess your fault one to another, pray for one another." He is teaching about praying for one another alongside restoration of relationships. That is, there are corporate prayers, and there must be corporate forgiveness. Is interweaving it together that there are corporate prayers, but there are also corporate forgiveness. So if I dealt, so what he did was this: he was wise. If I dealt with physical sickness, then he goes beyond. He now says, then he goes to 
he, he, he not toned everything down to a breaking it down to a broken relationship in the congregation. Then he now teaches that the effectiveness of a corporate prayer as when we have a restored relationship. So when we have, when every one of us is working in, we are in unity, we have effectiveness in our corporate prayer. So James is teaching that when we have forget, when we have committed or we have seen among one another that these have done you wrong, you've done me wrong, our relationships are broken. We will not be praying another effectively. There will be a breaking down. We will not be praying for one another much more broken down in our relationship. And there will be all forgiveness in our midst. And that is not a proof that we are praying for one another. So the proof that we are praying for one another is that there is forgiveness in our midst. So when I say I'm praying for you, when I'm saying we are praying as a church, we are praying, imagine we don't have forgiveness. We have not forgiven one another. I mean. So he's teaching that when we have, when we, when it's, so James was teaching much that when we have things or we have offenses, we have things, sins committed among one another and there's a breaking down of relationship, we will not be praying for one another. Much more will happen. There will be a, there will be breaking the broken down of relationships. Unforgiveness among ourselves. And it's a proof that we are not be praying for one another. So the proof that we are praying for one another is that all of us, we are walking in love. So when I'm praying for you, you are praying for me. We are praying for one another. Don't say you don't. How will you be a believer? You are not even praying for all of us. Uh-uh. Repent. Repent. Change your ways today. Pray for us. Pray for every one of us. Pray for me. Pray for, pray for your friend. That's the proof that we are walking in love. So we can't say we are praying for, for one another or we are praying together. And we will be walking in, in hatred. So you will now see the preceding verse of James 5, 17 and 18. Where it says, Elijah, a man of like passion, such as we have, he prayed in his that he might not rain and for the space of 30 years, and he prayed again that everyone gave forth his reign and brought forth his food. James brings an explanation of the Old Testament attitude of Elijah's prayer. How he prayed and prayed again that we should learn from the prayer of Elijah to pray for one another consistently again and again. So, the, why did he bring that focus of Elijah's prayer? So that we can learn from how Elijah prayed again and again with his old fervency with his old things, how he moved down and he made sure he's bringing that to teach that we can pray for one another consistently in that way. So his focus was more on continuing, continuing praying than praying to get results. Don't see or read that text to see, ah, Elijah prayed, he got results. Yes, I know We've said all of those things in the past. We use it to teach prayer, but this is the right interpretation of that scripture. Elijah or James was teaching that Elijah prayed again and again. So what James was teaching us was he was teaching us the consistency of how to keep praying. That praying to get results. So, our relationship are restored as we pray for one another. And we pray much, 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 much consistently for one another. So, if we have a praying church, if we have a, co- a, a corporate church, church praying together, devoted to praying for one another, like we have, we are praying for one another, we've been praying consistently for one another, we have a church that consistently walks in love. That's how to build a church that walks in love. Our prayer becomes effective. It becomes consistent when there is forgiveness among one another. Like we pray together, we fellowship together. Imagine, our prayer is much effective. We walk in love because we are praying. But James was teaching us the effectiveness of how we must continue praying. The very moment there is a redundancy in our prayer, check it. Check it. Something is going wrong. The very moment we tone down on our prayers, Especially many of you that are working with me. Check it. Something is about to go wrong. We must not give 
a room for when we will not pray for one another. So you see that prayer is in various ways. It's also, also to even strengthen our relationships. It's also to avoid a form of walking in the flesh. That's why you see in verse 19 of that same James 5. It says, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and won't convert him, let him know that he that covereth the sinner from error, from his ways, save his soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sin. The word convert is from the Greek word epistephro. Epistephro. E-P-I-S-T-R-P-H-O. It applies to turn back. The word do not err. The word err is from the word plano or something like that. I forgot how to pronounce this. P-L-A-N-O. It was used... It says in, in the same James, do not err my beloved brethren. In James 1.16, it means to be led astray, to miss the way, to cause to wander, something like that, to go off course of knowledge. It's, that means the function of knowledge, that is, don't leave this truth. So that is, in relationship, that is, don't we stop walking in love. So James was teaching, do not err from the truth. I won't convert him. Don't err from not walking in love. Don't err from these things I've told you. Is it making sense? So he was telling them, don't err. Don't be straight away. Don't miss the way. The word err, plano, something like that. Plano, something like that. To miss the way, to cost one or to go off course. Was it? Don't err from this truth. So, as we wrap up this series today, let's see, um, let's see, you see, um, the same word, okay, before we then the first word was used in Proverbs 10 verse 12, where it says, hatred stirred us of strife, but love covered all sins. So now, look at, also look at what Peter said in 1 Peter 4 verse 8. First Peter 4 verse 8, where it says, Above all things, fervent charity among yourself, for charity cover up the multitude of sins. What was James teaching? Walking in love. Love covereth up the multitude of sins. That if we walk in love, we'll, we'll forgive one another, we'll work much more. So, the believer who does not walk in love, is is the one that is regarded as a sinner that is that is have that that choose not to walk in love is the one that has the multitude of sins. That's what this was saying. So when you read that place and you think it was saying, "Do you not hear my beloved? He that covereth up a sinner shall save his soul from dead, and he shall hide the multitude of sin." I just don't want you to get that place wrong because we are studying forgiveness of sins and everything. James was only teaching that the believer who does not walk in love is sinner. Is, is, he, he has refused or he has chosen his choice not to walk in love is the multitude of sin. That's what he's saying there. He, we have to read it in context. So, so that means that when we correct a believer who is not walking in love or when we are addressing strife in the church or strife among us, we are saving him. We are, we are, we are, we are trying to save such actions from multiplying. That is a multitude of sins. We are trying to stop it from spreading. I will just do a quick recap again so you get everything I've been saying. So that you don't miss it. Look at it in James 5. Just because we are, we are done now. Look at it in James, James 5 again where it says, He that committed any sins. He, if he committed any sins. He is from the Greek word Amy. It shows... Oh, sorry. Let's start from if any man committed any sins, James 5. If is from the word can. It's a conditional statement. That is, it means if there's something that has existed. Or it's a conditional statement. Even though, at least, all of those things. The word is means E-I-M-I. E -I -M -I. It means um, uh, exist. It means the word exist. Something existing. Look at the word committed. The word committed is the word poio, P-O-I-E-O. It means to do with something or to, to do something or to create something. The word in. So the word autos. It means same them among all of those things. So uh, and we and we agree to that if there exists sin that have been done among believers, the way we, the way we should probably have read it, 
that is done among believers, they shall be forgiven among us. So he's referring to a corporate action. He's talking about relationship in the church. He's talking about fellow believers. And we're saying that the word confess, when it says confess your voice for the word esemologio, it's always to openly acknowledge something. And we explain where it was used and everything. And we say one another is from the word alenon. It means a reciprocal pronoun. Something like me and you, you and I, you and them, something like that. So, and it, and it says, if we trespass, that is the vital part of walking in love, is that we pray for one another. And it now says that we'll be healed. Healed means we'll be restored. So, when we pray for one another, we'll be restored back to compact fellowship. And I explained, if prayer, so when you keep the switch of faith turned on, listen, when you stop praying, let me tell you one, you start walking in the flesh. When you have a movement, you stop praying. Check it where you start walking in the flesh. You start having hatred. You start getting angry. You start getting crumby, gr- grumpy. You start. You start. Uh, mm, uh, mm, uh, 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 this person is annoying me. This person, it is a result of you are not praying. Then those things, if you don't watch it all time, it escalates. You pass it to somebody. You pass it to another person till it spreads to the whole church. That's why a church must consistently keep praying. It must be our vital. That's why you see I'm very hard on prayer because it must our it must be there. I don't want us to walk in the flesh. Corporate prayer of forgiveness. That's why Elijah prayer. And I explained that the reason why James brought back that narrative of Elijah's story in those senses is to focus on our prayers. On it's not just that prayers must be continuous. Not that we must not not getting results in prayer, but a continuity in prayer. And we must walk in love. So, forgiveness is the character of God in the gospel. And the man who has believed the gospel has received forgiveness of sins. Don't forget the tenses of the gospel. We have been forgiven. It is an it is our inheritance in Christ. It is a blessing in Christ. So, what happens? Based on the reception, based on the fact that we've received it, we are taught by the epistles to replicate the same conduct. What is forgiveness of sins? What is forgiveness? It's from the Greek word aphesis. It means freedom, set free, release from. We have been set free from the shackles of sins. We have been set free from condemnation. We have been set free from everything. We've received forgiveness of sin. So when, as believers, we are to in turn replicate that conduct. Do you know when you are not forgiving people, you are holding the person captive. You're holding the person bondage in your heart. Your heart is heavy. Why do you think that when you are angry with somebody, your mind is disturbed? Something is just bothering you. You are just having this and that. Your mind is heavy. It's because there's a bondage. But when you forgive the person, guess what happens? There's a release. It is a, it is a reciprocal of what God has done in Christ Jesus for us. Don't forget, you are not going to be forgiving. You have been forgiven. When you sin or you do actions, what happens? You receive forgiveness. You just acknowledge what you have received. So there is no room for us as believers to harbor disaffection towards one another, to harbor unforgiveness among one another. Forgiveness and forgiving is a character of the believer in Christ who has received the gospel. You've received forgiveness. So when you want to preach the gospel, you preach them. You make men understand. Listen, guys, I've been forgiven. You have been forgiven. You have been forgiven. You only believe that you have been forgiven. God is not going to forgive you. He has forgiven you in Christ. You only receive and believe that. And subsequently, you teach the believer and you explain to the believer that, listen, there is not a love work you need to practice. You will not practice in your human relationships, in the church, among brethren, among your relationship, among your spouse, among your romantic relationship, among your friends, among your people. You replicate that same character that you received upon salvation. That is forgiveness of sins. Hephaestus, remission. This is what Jesus asked us to preach. That's why you see James preached it. Peter preached it. Paul preached it. They showed us the character of the Father. 
then they showed us how the believer walks in that character of the father bless the lord this evening this is where we'll stop this series for now we'll pick it up in some years to come we'll pick it up and we'll unravel it more what is forgiveness of sins have you received forgiveness of sins every believer has received forgiveness of sins upon salvation bless the lord this evening just unmute yourself and if you have the opportunity to lift your hands just bless him thank him thank him thank him for what you've received thank you for forgiveness of sins thank him because you have known better that you walk in love thank him because you forgive people you will not abort any hatred for anyone thank him because those who you forgive who you've abort before you are forgiving them right now by the reason of this teaching lift your hands and just bless the father bless him this evening bless him open your voices 